All right, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. Uh, I am Will Driscoll, as always, the Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, uh, hoping everyone is continuing to stay safe and healthy and doing your part as we, uh, as we slowly and uh, actually starting to pick up, get past this pandemic. Um, as always, I'd like to thank our Hall Call partners and our Hall of Fame partners, City of Virginia Beach, uh, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, Priority Automotive, ESPN Radio 94.1, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Without all of their support, initiatives like Hall Call and everything else that we have going on would not be possible. Uh, well, one of the constants of the past year has actually been golf. And uh, I know for someone like me who loves a good nine or 18, it's, it's almost been therapeutic the last year, regardless of score, just to be able to get out, uh, enjoy the weather, enjoy some fellowship uh, in a socially distanced setting, of course. Um, but one of the premier events that comes to Virginia each year is the annual uh, LPGA tournament at the River Course at Kingsmill. It's now named the Pure Silk Championship. Um, 2020 saw the event canceled uh, because of the pandemic, but 2021 brings a new year uh, and the return of professional golf to Williamsburg. And joining us today to talk about the events and a little bit of Kingsmill's place in Virginia golf history is Director of Golf Operations at Kingsmill, James Page. Now, James joined Kingsmill in 2019. Uh, but his prior experience has taken him all over the place into some pretty well-known courses, Quail Hollow, PGA National Resort, and the site of the 2021 Ryder Cup, Whistling Straits. James, appreciate you taking some time out today for us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, excited to be here. I'm excited to talk off a little bit. Going uh, to be a nice chat. Um, and Kingsmill and Williamsburg has been a great host uh, to us and our family, and we are excited to be here. Wonderful. We, again, appreciate you taking the time out today. This, as always, with all of these hall calls, is on our Facebook Live. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to chime in and we'll see if we can get them over to James. Well, let's, um, let's go ahead and kind of start with kind of what the past year has been like for you. You know, give us some insight into the state of golf uh, in Virginia. Golf courses, as I mentioned, have been one of the only things that have been open pretty much the entire time. Have you seen a lot of growth in the game or has it just kind of been the same people just getting out more and more? For sure. Um, you know, first off, personally, kind of along your lines, how you started, what, uh, what a blessing golf has been, uh, in my life. And I think many others through the past couple of months, um, you know, if, if we can't social distance and enjoy golf in this environment, uh, I think there's bigger issues out there to, to talk about. So, uh, you know, personally speaking, very thankful. Um, it's too bad to read, you know, some operations and processes have not been able to operate. Um, thankfully, locally, uh, we have been able to. Uh, professionally speaking, if you take a look back and, and the, view the entire picture of golf, it's in a great spot. Um, rounds of golf are up. Equipment sales are up. The number of people entering the game has never been higher. Uh, so I think going forward, golf is in a great spot. Um, the, the number of people joining, uh, the number of people playing daily has been fantastic. I would challenge people to not necessarily look at a golf operation and say, man, they are printing money. Um, because if you slice that pie and start to dig a little bit deeper, there's different types of golf. Leisure golf, country club golf is great and it's through the roof. The, the number of people enjoying golf on a daily basis, like I said, never been higher. But then you start to look at travel golf, uh, you know, destination resorts, uh, the number of people traveling and staying uh, it did, in different areas to play golf right now. Uh, the past couple months has been a challenge. Uh, corporate golf, you know, before 
COVID. Uh, there were a lot of corporate traveling programs, rewards uh, for staff members, and, and they would take golf as retreats and, and company uh, business trips. Uh, so that business, that side sector of golf has struggled. Um, and then even digging down into tournament operations and fundraisers. Um, last year, you know, most of those events are built on uh, the social side, scoring, fundraising, raffles. Um, and most of those struggled uh, or canceled entirely last year. And even as we start to rebound this year a little bit, we've seen groups that before would have 120 people, you know, this year coming with 80, coming with 90. Um, and just the overall feeling that there's still people who don't want to take a part in those large so social gathering events. Um, but I think all those lines of golf are picking back up. Um, there were destination resort golf courses across the country that closed down one or two or three courses at a time last year uh, because they weren't able to accommodate the traveling uh, golfer. It's great to see, you know, reading airport tra traffic pick back up um, around Williamsburg, just driving down through the community. Hotels look like they're slamming on weekends. Our golf, uh, leisure, corporate uh, tournament businesses pick back up. Um, and going forward, I think it's going to be through the roof. Um, so certainly excited about the future of golf. And I think if we build the base for the big picture right now, golf is in a pretty good spot. Well, you know, we, we've kind of seen, personally, I've kind of seen both sides of that coin, you know, having played and then obviously the first really six to eight months of the pandemic, you know, you mentioned there might've been people out there, but you had to offer, you know, single carts. So now that's one other person that can't be out there at, at the same time, yeah. or, you know, you've run out of carts. And so there are tea times, but then on the flip side, I have a seven-year-old who's really gotten into it over the last year. So it's really good to see the young people um, getting involved in the game and hopefully continuing to grow it. As far as Kingsmill is concerned, you know, we, we love Kingsmill. Um, for, for those who don't know, we have an exhibit that is actually in the River Course Clubhouse right now, and it highlights our 14 golf inductees all the way from Chandler Harper, Lou Worsham, and Sam Sneed to Laney Watkins and, and Curtis Strange. So Kingsmill is a great venue for us, but, you know, it's been around since the mid-70s, and you have people like Arnold Palmer, Pete Dye, Curtis Strange who've been involved in the development of the three courses if you had to describe it in two, one or two words, or just a quick, a quick hitter, how would you describe Kingsmill Resort and golf? It's unique. Um, it's unique in that we have 54 holes of golf and each golf course has a different background, a different architect, a different style of play. And then as you dive through each golf course, each architect, each style of play, the story even becomes more unique as you dig into the background of Kingsmill and the history with the community um, and the entire property here and what we can offer. Uh, talking about marinas and river access, tennis, spa, fitness. Um, when you tie everything that Kingsmill has to offer together, uh, it is really a, a unique package and something that not a whole lot of places across the country can compete with. Um, there are certainly a few and, and, and many great places to go, um, but in terms of having different styles of golf courses, the River uh, Pete Dye Tournament Golf Course, um, it, it's just brutally hard. Uh, and the plantation being a little bit more family friendly and fun, uh, short with dog legs and smaller targets. And then um, our Woods Golf Course, which is a little bit more private, Curtis Strange design, um, off in, into the woods with no homes or developments around it. Uh, Everything that Kingsmill is built around is, is kind of a unique experience. Um, 
and, and when I think of Kingsville golf compared to my past work history, uh, it definitely tells a, a unique story um, that not many places have, have to offer. Well, and one of those stories is really the 17th hole. I mean, you, when, you, when you're talking about signature holes, the 17th has actually been termed the most historic 177 yards of golf in America. Uh, for those that haven't had the chance to play that hole or, or get out to the course, describe the 17th and its geographic significance. For sure. Um, and that part of history definitely ties into the overall picture of Kingsville. Uh, and to me, the, the 17th hole starts as you drive up to 16th fairway. Um, as you drive up to 16th fairway, you see the James River in the background framed by the tee box in, in the green of number 17 in the distance. So you kind of get a little visual head start of, of the challenge that's about to come. Uh, but you come up the hill behind 16 green uh, and there's some placards uh, from Kings Mill and an old cannon uh, telling you about the, the significance of that point in history uh, as the English settlers came over that point in the James River was actually a landing dock for him. So as you stand on the 17th tee and look out to the right to the James River, uh, there's actually remnants of an old landing dock uh, still visible today uh, of where the first settlers came in uh, and, and made this place their home. Uh, so standing on the tee and understanding that history and that you know people have used the property uh, to kind of build up our colonies and, and start what is today's America, um, you know, 350 years ago now, it, it's pretty cool to, to see the significance and, and understand uh, really how special the piece of property is. And then you got to hit a 180 yard shot over the ravine to a, to a tight green with the river on the right uh, and out of bounds left. So uh, after you kind of realize the significance historically, uh, it, it's fun challenging as well. Definitely lends credence to the, uh, the, the moniker America's Historic Triangle in the Jamestown, Yorktown, Williamsburg area. <laughs> For sure. I, I remember playing the 17th once. This was probably about a decade ago. But to give you an idea of how vast the, the landscape is on the right out in the James River, it was a cold day in February and it snowed. And we could see where the snowstorm began and where it ended. And uh, by the we, we teed off as it started to snow. By the time we got to the green, the green was covered. So we had to just go straight into the hole, uh, straight into the clubhouse. Um, but it's you know, too cold for me. Yeah, a little bit too yeah. cold. That's right. I prefer, <laughs> I prefer 75 and above. Um, but, you know, one of the, the things that has always been, you know, unique and something, a sense of pride for Virginians is the fact that um, Kingsmill has had this relationship with the professional tours now for, for over four decades, first with the PGA and now the LPGA. How important is it uh, for the course, for the area to have the, the Pure Self Championship back this year after a COVID hiatus last year? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really think it starts with the community, uh, talking about the community of Kingsmill, uh, Kingsmill, Williamsburg, uh, itself, the, the tourist numbers that it attracts, uh, the ticket sales, the, the TV marketing and promotion, um, just what a cool event to get all eyes on our community with some of the best, uh, professional golfers that are out there. Um, and then talking about how historically important it's been. Um, as you pull up to Kingsmill Golf Operation and the resort and our bag drop, there's a list of winners uh, going all the way back to the first events in, in the 70s. And just seeing the, the types of golfers that have played here, um, 
and what a win has meant to their career and how popular they've become. Um, it really does put a lot of eyes on, on Kings Mill, the community, Williamsburg, and, and their golf courses. Um, and it's just so incredibly cool to be able to market that history, um, to show it off in our golf lobby. Um, you know, it, it truly is kind of hard to describe and put in words when you have 32, 33 straight years now of professional golf events, um, how it truly impacts your operation. One of my favorite parts um, of this job is just kind of meandering around a little bit in, in the locker room, in the golf shop, in the bar. And it's incredible to me how many stories I just interact with people saying that they used to come here as a child and watch their favorite golfers, or they remember watching it on TV with their dad. Um, going back, you know, two generations now of family memories and, and people traveling specifically to watch the best golfers in, in the world compete on a course that, you know, many people in the community have access to. Um, so it's incredibly cool. Uh, and, and we're lucky to be able to say that, that we can do it. You know, you, you mentioned some of the names, obviously I, I mentioned Lanny, Lanny won it. Uh, Lanny Watkins won the tournament one time, David Duvall, Fuzzy Zeller. And then when it shifted to the LPGA, Annika Sorensen, Christy Kerr. I mean, these are some, some of the, the legendary names and some, some hall of famers have, have graced the course before. So there's definitely a lot of history there. Um, this year is going to be different, you know, and I think we, I think we all as sports fans understand that we're still probably a little bit ways away from things getting back to the way we remember it, but you are allowing some spectators, but tickets to the general public are not on sale, but you are going to have around 3,000 spectators uh, through family members, friends of, of the players and members and sponsors. Just how exciting is it that you're going to be able to have this tournament with people on the course? It's, it's incredibly exciting. It's, you know, um, for us in the community to go from having to cancel it. Last year when we got canceled, we were about 50 days out. So we had started the build, we had started the operations team, all of our contracts were in place. Um, and then to kind of wipe that out and go through a summer of limited travel. To us internally, our team is talking about, that's kind of our light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, to be able to host this event, our, our vendors are on board, which is very exciting. We're gonna have uh, some limited stuff around the golf course, but still uh, enough to, to have a nice presence. Um, it, it really does kind of signify to our team that it's, it's coming back. Uh, people are, are gathering and we've been working with the government's office uh, on mandates for people allowed to gather and, and be in certain areas of, of the golf course. We're gonna take um, all the requirements necessary uh, and given to us. For instance, like the LPGA, for those being on site, uh, you do have to wear a mask uh, around the golf course the entire time. Uh, but just being able to offer our sponsorship partners and the LPGA players and their tournament staff and their membership, the opportunity um, in a limited capacity to come and enjoy the event in person. We're hosting a concert, a kickoff concert Saturday night uh, as kind of a, a welcome back uh, kickoff party. Um, it, it's exciting. It's, it's very exciting. And we are thrilled to be able to, to get people on the golf course and, and watching the best players uh, do their thing around there. Well, I don't, I don't have to tell anybody who lives in Southeastern Virginia, but it's been a pretty wet winter <laughs> leading into sure. spring. Uh, so what sort of shape is the course in right now? You know, it, the wet winter has been a little bit of a blessing, so to speak. Um, in regards to the wet winter, we've got about six and a half more inches of rainfall uh, than normal year to date. 
we've been able to stay ahead of that. Usually for the tournament, our agronomy team grows the rough out to two inches. Uh, this two-inch Bermuda rough uh, can get pretty thick and gnarly and, and super hard to play out of. By staying ahead of the weather and not allowing that grass to get super thick, we're actually keeping it now at 1.2 inches, uh, what helps the playability of the golf course. Uh, you know, daily play, resort play, member play has more fun being able to find their golf ball in the rough and not being able to chop it out and, and chip out sideways. So um, the plan for this year's event is to keep the rough a little bit shorter. Uh, it's going to make it a little bit more playable, uh, a little bit less penal off the fairways. Expect to see some lower scores. Uh, and then we are currently 10 days into a 17-day uh, bunker sand project. We're dredging out the bottom of our bunkers, uh, largely due to the number of inches of rain uh, the past couple of months. Dredging out the bottom of the bunkers, resurfacing them, and putting in brand new sand uh, with two more additional inches of sand in each bunker. So right now that, that bunker sand is a little bit lighter and fluffier. Uh, so I expect the rough to be a little bit less penal, but I expect the bunkers to be a little bit more penal uh, for those who find their way in, into the bunkers with the more sand and the softness of them uh, compared to years past. So um, looking historically, scores have been anywhere between 12 to 15 under par the past couple of years for LPGA. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him push 20 uh, this year with, with the limited rough. Um, and hopefully it starts to dry out so the fairways can run a little bit. And based on the long-term for forecast, I, I think we're going to get there. Well, fans love low scores. I mean, yeah. uh, outside, outside of a U.S. Open tournament where we know what we're going to get, fans love birdies. We love eagles. We love seeing those low scores. Posted. Absolutely. I, I, I do, too. It, it's fun to see how good they truly are. Um, and I think allowing them to shoot lower scores really brings out their talent um, than kind of some of the U.S. Open style of golf. So I, I think it's going to be exciting for sure. Well, we know there will be some good players out there. I was actually looking at the LPGA calendar, and uh, it, it's kind of a, a strategic placement for the tournament this year between the end of the LPGA's kind of Asian leg, where they go over to Singapore and, and Southeast Asia, but then two weeks prior to the U.S. Open. And since a lot of players don't typically play that week prior to the U.S. Open, what kind of field can we expect uh, at Kingsville? I think first, um, if you just look at the LPGA as a whole, uh, kudos to their team, uh, for what they've done the past couple of years, it, it seems like the majority of their qualified golfers play in almost every single event through the year. You know, if you look at just using PGA Tour, some of the best golfers on their tour play 17, 18 events a year. Um, and the best LPGA golfers play 28 to 30. Um, so I think it's great what they've done with their scheduling um, and, and their players taking on more responsibility and playing in, in more events, um, which I think is awesome to see. The feel at Kingsmill has always been great. It's always been very strong. Um, the, the girls like the test of the Pete Dye design and, and the tournament atmosphere that we put on. Um, and a lot of it use it as prep uh, for the upcoming US Open. So um, I expect a great field. Um, the LPGA officially will announce our field on Friday, May 7th. Uh, so we'll have about a two week notice um, before kickoff based on their guidelines this year um, of when we can fully expect the best players in the world to commit. But um, it's also very interesting and kudos to the LPGA. This year uh, after us, the week before the US Open is a new event 
in Las Vegas, uh, a match play event. So that's going to be cool to see um, a new style of tournament for them uh, and to see how the players react. And uh, again, another week before U.S. Open, um, I think three weeks in a row is going to be a great schedule. And I would expect uh, most of the big names to be here. That's definitely a great lineup. And, and the good thing, too, again, looking at the schedule is even though fans can't be there in attendance, all four days will be on the Golf Channel. So lots of lots of good publicity for the course and people will be able to, to physically see the tournament go on. For sure. Um, and one of our you know blessings in, in the schedule this year is um, in past operations, the Pure Silk had not always been live. Uh, sometimes it had been on tape delay at the end of the nights. Um, this year, all four days of coverage, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, live action on Golf Channel from three to six. Uh, so we're very excited about that to be able to get live coverage for, for all four days. Well, I think that's a testament too to the, to the historic significance of the tournament. Um, you know, we, we can kind of go through that a little bit where for years it, it was sponsored by Anheuser-Busch first on the PGA Tour um, and then the LPGA Tour and then Anheuser-Busch through you know, a, a numerous events decided to just kind of step back from a lot of their holdings, you know, Bush Gardens being one of them, Kingsmill being one of them. Um, and there was a pause in 2010 and 11, but the tournament did come back uh, in 2012. And how important has it been to maintain this presence on one of the professional tours for as long as Kingsmill has? Um, it's been super important. Just, just the ability to say that our golf courses challenge the best golfers in the world um, and then there's also the component that the footprint allows us to do that. And by footprint, I mean, rooms, parking, uh, vendors, food and beverage, media, um, dining. There's a, there's a lot of great golf courses, uh, that certainly can host events. Um, but some of them lose out on, on kind of the other half of the operational side. Um, and that big operational side, the back end. Uh, allows us to do many, many creative things. Um, so it's great to be able to keep the players here on property, to keep the media here on property. Um, a lot of our concessions, food and beverage are, are done in-house. Um, so just tying in the overall picture um, of, of what it takes to run the tournament, not necessarily the golf course, uh, it shows that we can do a lot of things right. And, and to be able to do that for 33 years now, um, I think really speaks to the team and it also speaks to the community uh, of being able to offer that. What sort of economic impact does this tournament bring to Williamsburg? I mean, it's been going on now for over four decades. So yeah. if, if you weren't doing something right, you probably would have taken it away. So starting in 2010 through 2019, the average measurable economic impact, ticket sales, hospitality, room nights, food and beverage, vendor contracts, has been $10.5 million per year on average for the last 10 years. Um, and that's a direct economic impact. Uh, it creates jobs, it creates uh, hotel rooms, it creates vendors, uh, programming, which is a great number to see. And then there's also the indirect economic endpoint or economic impact. Um, over that same time frame, the indirect economic impact that we receive, Kingsmill, Pure Silk, LPGA, over media, uh, TV, social media, has averaged $8.5 million in, um, in streamed media evaluation over that same time frame. So, you know, that 8.5 million 
could be additional room bookings. People, you know, as I said, walking through the locker room in the, in the dining room, but hearing people come in the Kings mill, you know, that, that side is a little bit hard, hard to measure, but over that week, we get $8.5 million in, in media uh, presence, um, which over the course of the year, I think is, is tough to measure, but it certainly brings in a lot of people to the community. Well, I think what's exciting about that is our, our last hall call uh, was with Dennis Bickmeyer, who's the president of Richmond Raceway. And just hearing these events come back and hearing not just the fact that you can get sports fans engaged again, but what they do for the communities and how that all begins to trickle down, I think is really the most exciting part about sports returning because it, it is it takes a lot to get these things moving and it takes a lot to put these things on properly. Um, yep. so, so that's definitely a very exciting component to this. Yeah, I think uh, people would be pleasantly surprised if they knew how much and how many operations and how many people it, it took to, it takes to put on an event like this for seven days. Um, the amount of people we work with in the community, um, we have contracts out all over for um, tournament build, for food and beverage, for printing. Um, and then you talk about the hotel operation side. It, it really does affect a lot of people and we're thrilled to be able to help the community and, and hopefully see it continue to grow. Well, you know, here in Virginia, we, we do have, especially in our corner down here in southeastern Virginia, we do, we do have the ability for year-round golf, but yeah. we don't quite get the fanfare that, say, California, Florida, Texas, um, you know, the, the southern portion of the country does. But what makes Virginia golf something that is unique and that can be marketed to locals and tourists alike? For sure. Um, I think the first measured thing uh, that makes Virginia golf special is the different types of golf. Um, within the year. So we have four distinct seasons. Um, you can choose to play golf in the heat of summer. Man, it's fall beautiful with all the changing colors and, and just the visuals of what fall brings to this area. Winter, you can find some great discounts on golf. You can play some of the best golf in the world uh, as it gets a little bit chillier, uh, but you're still able to play uh, and have a great time. And, and you know, if you go rate hunting, um, you can do pretty well and find, and then spring, uh, as the grass starts to green up and grow again, um, you know, is a great time to get out and, and get ready for summer. So to me, Virginia stands out in that we have four distinct different styles of golf through the year. Um, and you can shop and you can play and you can really do some creative things on your golf timeline, uh, to experience different types of golf. And if you come to the river course, in May, July, October, and February, you're going to have four distinct different opinions and challenges of, of the golf course and how it plays throughout the year. Uh, so I think that's a very cool aspect um, that isn't found in a lot of other markets. Uh, the ability to have four different types of golf experiences throughout the year. Uh, and then personally, being here, you know, two years now with my wife and my family, the hospitality. Uh, in, in this area is just spectacular. I think what really sets operations apart are, is how you're treated and, and how you interact with the staff and how your service was. And, and Kingsmill takes a lot of great pride in, in having conversations with each guest that comes through the door and, and trying to be as personal as possible you can get a lot of great golf experiences at, at different golf courses, but I think interacting with different types of people who have different types of background and, and trying to make it a home for your time here 
uh, I think is, is a really a benefit of Kingsville and, and what we've tried to do. Um, so the hospitality in, in the area really makes it special for, for me as well. Well, I'll have to clear my schedule to get those four different styles of golf <laughs> just to make sure I can be challenged by every single one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. As I mentioned kind of at the beginning, you know, one of the courses that you that you worked at previously was Whistling Straits. And that's where the Ryder Cup is this year, obviously scheduled for 2020. But now it's this year. Yeah. Um, tough course. I mean, I've never I've never been up there, but just watching it on TV, it, it definitely looks like a challenge. What can uh, what can some of those players expect from the Ryder Cup this year? I have to ask you because I have you here. For sure. Uh, working for Kohler in the Kohler family in Whistling Straits was unbelievable. Uh, what a great group of people. Super excited to see the Ryder Cup there this year. Um, and it's really interesting, just as a little background nugget, Pete Dye designs a lot of his tournament golf courses the same way. Um, so, for instance, number one on Pete Dye golf course, tournament golf courses are generally a pretty easy par four. Uh, number one of the river, number one of the straights, number one at TBC Sawgrass um, are all pretty straightforward par fours. And then you go around the golf course, eight is generally a very tough par four to finish the nine. 17, he tries to make a, a memorable par three. Uh, 17 at the river, 17 Sawgrass, uh, and then 17 at Whistling Straits, I think is going to make and break a lot of people uh, in that event, a, a 220-yard shot over Lake Michigan there with uh, sand dunes everywhere you look. Um, so it is kind of cool to, to contrast the Pete Dye golf course experience. It's His layouts and his designs are, are very similar as you take them to different parts of the country, uh, which is cool. That's an interesting but, little nugget to, to hear from somebody who's kind of on the inside to hear how yeah. Pete Dye has designed his courses. Uh, and if you, if you play them regularly, you'll probably see a lot of the same things. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and especially as tournament golf courses. And it's, I didn't actually learn about that until I came to Kingsmill. And then um, I was working with uh, Mr. Dye's son, uh, PB, just on a couple anniversary projects and, and some of his insights and, and what he had worked on, um, you know, was a great background. And, and he was very familiar and worked with Kohler and, and he shared a lot of his design philosophies and just kind of sharing that nugget was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, so very cool. So yeah, the, the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, uh, American golf is in a great spot. It's so cool to see um, the number of golfers challenging for, for the automatic bids. I think that they're going to be very strong. Uh, I hope the weather there the last week of September is inducive uh, to some fun golf. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get too cold, but um, just being able to see that event take place uh, it sounds like they're going to have crowds, which is super exciting to hear, you know, the cheers of the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, if you compare that with Augusta, I think that's a golf fan, two favorite things that they can do. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't seen a Ryder Cup, uh, I know it's a lot with only 12 golfers on, on the golf course, but it should certainly be on on the checklist for you. Well, I mean, we obviously we hope that the U.S. can bring it back. Um, it, I think you're right. And seeing a lot of the young players that are coming up, uh, it's definitely an exciting time and, and should be a fun course. And who knows, maybe Lake Michigan might have a few tricks up the sleeves. Only yeah. only during the European putts, though. Uh, that, that's right. what we're looking for. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. And it, it's one more question about Whistling Straits. Uh, just kind of going back through its history. It's a fairly new course, but. You know, Dustin Johnson and the, the 2010 PGA with the waste bunker, with a waste bunker or an actual waste area versus bunker right. where he mistakenly grounded his club. Has has that been 
I guess, remedied or is that still a, is that still kind of a unique quirk to that course? You know, I think it's a unique quirk to that course. Um, and it's going to be interesting this year at Kiowa, Pete Dye golf course, uh, the ocean course at Kiowa. Um, and again, going through Pete Dye's philosophies, number one at Kiowa is a very nice benign par four. 17 is the most memorable par three on the golf course. And 18 is the hardest par four on the golf course. Um, so us to Kiowa Island Ocean, uh, again, a lot of similarities, but they actually play all their bunkers as waste, meaning that you can ground the club and Dustin Johnson would not have gotten in that same situation. Whereas Kohler, Whistling Straits, they play all their bunkers as hazards, meaning you can't touch the ground or, or affect the golf ball at, at all. So it, it's interesting to see the dynamic of different golf courses in the areas of the country that they're in. Um, you know, the Kiowa sand, I think is a little bit more natural to the area compared to, to whistling that's a little bit more brought in. And maybe that's why there's some of the, the distinction there. Um, but it really is on, on the PGA of America and their operating committee on, on how they make those rules. And it's very interesting you bring that up and, and noting specifically the PGA at Kiowa this year. Uh, I believe they're going to play everything as waste, meaning that they would be able to, to ground their club and, uh, and, and that infraction would not have happened. Definitely, again, a, a unique ruling that I, I don't know if the everyday golfer understands, but if you, if you get the chance, you know, check out the, the 72nd hole of the 2010 PGA. That's how close Dustin Johnson was to winning his first major at the time. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that, all that being said, um, James, we appreciate you taking the time out today. Love talking golf. Um, love talking about events here in Virginia that, that bring a, a lot of pride to Virginians, um, not just here in Hampton Roads, but throughout the state. And, and we're looking forward to following the competition uh, next month up at Kingsmill. Yep, it's coming up quick. Uh, you know, the tournament starts uh, inside just about 25, 28 days now. So uh, we're excited. We are moving. Um, you know, hopefully we're able to get a few more people out here. But if not, I know they're going to be welcome back in, in the following years. Uh, thank you for your time and, and having me and, and be able to share our stories. And uh, I, I certainly appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And, and uh, as, as James just mentioned, less than a month away until, uh, until the first round tees off. And of course, if you can't be there, you can also watch it on Golf Channel every day, three to six, May 20th through the 23rd. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who did tune in and, and who will watch this video. Uh, it will be archived. And as always, thanks to our partners, City of Virginia Beach, Priority Automotive, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, ESPN Radio, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Be sure to follow the Hall of Fame on all of our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at VA Sports HOF. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll uh, with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. And whatever you do, participate, don't spectate.